Praise God. Well, we have been in a series called Don't Judge. Luke 6.37, let's just put that up on the screen. You don't have to turn there, but we've been uh, starting here. Luke 6.37. God is helping us with this. I believe we are growing and getting some things taken care of. And there are some things, I believe, in our lives that it doesn't, it doesn't appear that the situations we're dealing with would be related to some of these things we're covering, but they are. And I believe we're uh, addressing some of those things. Luke 6, 37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use... It will be measured back to you. So Jesus said, don't judge. Jesus said, judge not. Uh, Verse 39 says, then Jesus gave the following instruction. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Verse 41 And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And we've covered a number of aspects of this. Talking about how when we're looking at somebody else, it's foolish for us to say, hey, let me deal with this little problem. Let me help you out with this little itty bitty thing in your life when we ourselves have much larger issues. That, that would be silly. And Jesus uses this illustration, which would be ridiculous, of somebody having a huge piece of wood in their own eye and trying to help their neighbor with just a little piece of sawdust. Let let me help you with that. Let me remove that. And here they have this big thing swinging around, knocking people in the head. But but I need to help you. That would be ridiculous, but that's what it looks like when we're thinking we have to help other people with their faults and we have our own. And we just need to keep in mind, uh, everybody, uh, Christians are not responsible to you. They're responsible to the Lord. And we need to take care of ourselves first. And then maybe if God directs us and helps us and we can actually be a help, maybe we can help somebody else. Today, uh, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Actually, before we go to 1 Corinthians uh, 13, you can, let's put up a few scriptures. Psalm 136 Verse 1, go ahead and put that up, we'll come back, we'll, we'll turn to 1 Corinthians, you can go ahead and turn there, you don't have to turn to these other scriptures, we'll just put them up. You can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Psalm 136 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, His mercy endures forever. Forever. Psalm 136, if you ever read it, it just goes through and it does this over. It's like a refrain. His mercy endures forever. Hebrews 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Talking about God. These, this is talking about the Lord. Said he's good. And His mercy endures forever in Psalm 136. It says that throughout the Psalms and different places in Scripture. Here it says, He who promised is faithful. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said, and will He not do? Or has He spoken, will He not make it good? It says, God is not a man that He should lie. Has he spoken? Will he not make it good? If he said something, he'll do it. 1 Kings 8.56 says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised 
through his servant Moses. Look at that last part. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, promise which he promised through his servant Moses. Talking about the Lord. Said he hasn't even failed in one word. Luke uh, 21, 33 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So we just read, how many? One, two, three, four, five different references, but there are many, many in the Bible that talk about God, His goodness, His faithfulness, that He'll keep His word, that He does what He says. We could spend the whole time and into tomorrow and next week just talking about God's faithfulness and goodness. Amen. But there, how should I put it? Everywhere on the earth, men are judging God. Just like we've been talking about judging each other. We have a tendency, and we have helped to do it on this earth, People will judge God, but He is perfect. He's faithful. He is good all the time. But there, there's a temptation to judge Him. Go ahead and put up Revelation 12, verse 7. We won't take a lot of time here because we've covered this before. We're still going to get to 1 Corinthians. But Revelation 12, verse 7. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now salvation and strength... And the kingdom of our God, the power of His Christ, have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now we've touched on this earlier. Uh, Satan is the accuser. And we touched on, on what we're going to be talking in depth today, but we touched on it, but we're going to spend a lot of time on it today. Satan will not only uh, accuse your brother, sister, or other people to you, he will accuse God to you. The reason why people have a problem with God and that uh, even Christians are tempted to judge God are, is because a few, re many reasons, and I'm not trying to make an all-inclusive list, but one reason is you have help to do it. There is an accuser. There, there is a devil. We need to understand there is an enemy. And just like he, doesn't, he, he accuses other people, he will try to separate you from God. Even if it's a little bit. You say, oh, I would never be separated from God. Yeah, but is there distance? Is there something that you think you've been believing him for or something you thought he should do? And there's this thought, well, why hasn't it happened? Why hasn't he done that? That's judging him. What that is, is it should have happened. He should have done it. Why hasn't he done it? We just read a number of scriptures, and like I said, we could spend the whole time uh, on this. God is faithful. He does what he says. Not, see, men, you can talk about judging people, and you could have reason in the natural. They failed you or whatever, and you have to hold yourself back from being critical or judging because they maybe did fa fail you. They did something. It's wrong, and you have to hold your, you have to say, but I'm not going to get into judgment. I'm not going to be critical like what we were talking about last week. But if you look at it, they did fail you. They did do you wrong. And you have to hold yourself back from, from getting in there and condemning them because, like we've been talking about, that's not going to be the best for you. You are putting yourself as judge. Now, you don't want that responsibility. So we need to back off that. And even though you want to go off on them, you want to talk about them, 
If we're wise, we'll say, Lord, like we talked about last week, set a watch over my mouth. Help me. I don't want to have a part of that and sidestep it. But they did, they did something wrong to you. I don't, have, I don't have to ask you. Everybody in here has had somebody do something actually wrong. We're not talking about a perceived wrong. It was wrong. You just live in the world. That's going to happen. Somebody failed you. Men will fail you. God will not. He does not fail us, ever. So if we are judging him or thinking, why didn't you do that? There is no reason. He did not fail us. Can you say amen? amen. There is never a reason why we have to hold ourselves back. God failed us, but I'm just going to be merciful to God. That concept does not exist. I have every right to go off on you, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to withhold. That, that's, that's just a, that's a fallacy. That does not exist. There is no human being that needs to be merciful to the perfect, just God of the universe. He has no reason for you to give him mercy. He's never failed, ever. Not one word of his promise has ever failed to come to pass, ever. Not one. How many of us, we can't even come close to that standard. How many of our words did come to pass would be closer to his percentage of everything always coming to pass? He, he, he never, ever, ever misses it. He is always right. But we're getting to a root of judging. I'm not saying the root. You know, you try to make something the key to everything. You, kinda, you can get, in, get into error. But this is a root of why people judge. Because they are actually not at peace with Him. If you, if you don't believe God, if you believe God's holding out on you, if you believe God isn't doing what He needs to do, then there is distance between you and Him. And if there's distance between you and Him, there's going to be distance between you and people. If you think, if you, think about it. If you're thinking God failed you, who has never, ever failed you, how about the person that you live with? You see that they fail you. Yeah, just right. Just look straight ahead and don't, don't you don't want to... Yes, you're right. They, they stink. They no, you, this is not the time to beat up on your spouse or your brother or sister or mom or dad. But we know it. They're human. They fail. But if you are judging God and you think he failed you, how about the people you live around? Oh, they are not even worth comparing. God is perfection and these people are messing up all the time. If you're, if you're judging God, what are you going to do with people? Rip them apart. They can't do anything close to being right. If God, who is perfect, see, you're, if we think he missed it, we're wrong. Just to, not, to spoil, not to spoil the ending, but we're, we're wrong. But, there, but if we're honest, there is that in the earth. There is very much in the earth the idea that somehow God failed. There are people all over the world that are bitter and don't want to have anything to do with God because he didn't come through when he should have. I tried to pray and mama didn't get healed. And it's God's fault. I don't believe in God. What is that? That's judging him. That's saying God did not come through. And it's putting whoever, who, any kind of thought like that is saying I have the ability the right, the resources to make that judgment. I can judge the Almighty. And we don't. We don't have zero clue. We have no, no ability really to understand what He understands. But we have help with the accuser. He's a deceiver. He'll, he'll, he'll feed things to you. He'll feed lies to you. See, he knows. He, he's, he doesn't know everything. He's not almighty. He's a created being. But he does know some things. He's been around for at least thousands of years. And he knows men, and he knows what they can see and what they can't see. Men and women. 
He knows what people can see and can't see. He, he sees behind the scenes, and he's the cause of so much destruction and so much anguish and pain. He's the cause of everything, ultimately. Doesn't mean he's going around doing everything now. He's set so many things in motion, and it just perpetuates itself. The hate, the, the bitterness, the disease, the sickness, it all had its start with sin, yielding to Satan, but now it goes throughout the earth. He is the cause of it, but he, he's a liar. We just read, he's a liar. In the Bible, Jesus said he's the father of it. So he lies to people. Even though he knows the truth, he, he knows that he caused something to happen in somebody's life. He knows exactly why something happened, because he was involved. And then he'll lie and say, why didn't God come through? Where was God? He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he knows this about people. He knows we don't know everything. And he knows we just don't see certain things. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. 1 Corinthians verse uh, 8. It says, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. That's talking about we are going to be with Him. You see this here in a minute. We're, when we're out of this earth... Certain things aren't going to be needed. Verse 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. In the King James, the original King James, it says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. I see through a glass darkly. Amplified Classic says, For now we are looking in a mirror. Talking about our life now. Now we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim or blurred reflection of reality, as, a, as in a riddle or an enigma. But when perfection comes, then when perfection comes, we shall see in reality and face to face. You know we're going to see God, Jesus, face to face. That's real. That's in our future. We're going to walk in heaven. It's a real place. You know, sometimes you look around with the snow... The cold. I mean, I know there are places on earth that, that are nicer at different times, but then you got bugs and they never die in the warm place. I mean, there's just, there's a trade-off. But there, you don't, you don't got the cold, you don't got too hot, don't got too much humidity, just right all the time. And the bugs, I don't know if they're bugs or not, but if there are bugs, they're not annoying bugs. You would like the bugs there. if they're, I mean, I don't know. Where's the threshold goal? We don't like some bugs, but... Maybe there are bugs. I don't know, but they're not the annoying kind. There's certainly got to be no mosquitoes or anything like that. I mean, nothing dies there. Everything's perfect. But we're going to see Jesus. We're going to walk up to him. We're going to see people that we've read about. You're going to see people that have gone on to be with the Lord uh, before you, your parents or, or uh, siblings or whomever you knew. If they, if they knew Jesus, you're going to see them again. They're in your future, and they're not just in your past. That's real. But that's not now. And we don't understand everything on earth. We don't. It says it right here. We don't. We see in part. But we don't know everything. It says, Now I know in part, imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly. Even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. 
You know, God understands us completely. He understands us completely, knows us completely, knows everything about your past, knows every interaction you ever had. What, do we know everything about God? Certainly not. Not even a fraction. We know what He's revealed in His Word. That's not everything that there is to be known. Because if you knew everything about God, you'd be able to you know everything about what He knows. You know how everything works in the universe? No. We don't know everything about God. We know a speck compared to what He knows. You may know some few things, you know, you learned. Great. How much that, how much, what's the percentage of what you know compared to, the, to, to what can be known? It's not even worth talking about. I mean, just walking on the earth. You may be very educated in your field. Uh, how much are you educated in all the other fields there are on the earth? You an expert in every field? Not even close. How much do we know just on what there is to know on the earth? Not much. And that's not everything there is to know. Because on earth we don't know everything. Obviously. Obviously. We don't know everything. There are problems people don't know how to solve, and God does. Though we don't. Through His Word, by His Spirit, we can, even if we don't know naturally, we can still have the solution. Because He does know. There are no mysteries with Him. With Him. Yes, you're a child of God. Yes, I'm a child of God if you've been born again, if you've believed on Jesus, but you don't know everything. Spirit of God within you does. But you walking in that and getting it up to your mental realm, that's a different thing. The NLT version, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Every situation that you walk through, that I've walked through, that other people have walked through, they saw a part. They didn't see everything that was going on behind the scenes. It was, but we will see perfectly when we, in the future, when we're with Him. It says, all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me, or now knows me completely. See, we're, when people judge God, they're judging Him based on their perception of reality. That's not the same as reality. You can judge somebody based on your perception of what they think. That's not the same as what they actually think. And people all over are judging Him based on their perception of what they think should have happened. What they feel, what they see, what they touch what they hear, the sense realm. But they're, they, they're judging on what they understand, which we've already said is a fraction of what there is to be understood. But then they say, God, you should have done so and so. Why aren't you, why haven't you done this yet? And people can be offended at him. Why would they be offended at him? Because they've judged him. Because he, he, they believe God should have done. And this, we're, we're not talking about just they, people out there. We're talking about in general. But this, we need to look at ourselves. Because this can try to creep in. Offense toward God can be subtle. can be just a little blip. Why, why hasn't he done that yet? I don't know, but moving along. But be careful because that can, that can push. It can, it can grow. Why are people offended at God? Because they've judged Him. In their eyes, He didn't do something that they thought He should. Didn't come through. Should have done that. Why didn't He? I've been believing. Watch it. I've done everything I know to do. Well, we just established you don't know everything, so maybe there's something you didn't know to do. But I've been believing. I've done everything. It's, I can't do everything. Well, see, now we're getting frustrated, angry, mad, because... We're doing everything we know to do. Well, we established we don't know everything. Doesn't mean it's hopeless, and well, if I don't know everything, I just can't ever do it. No, but let's back up and say, instead of getting mad at him, 
or being frustrated because I don't see it and I'm doing everything. Why didn't you? Maybe we should have some, getting ahead of myself, but have some humility and step back and say, God, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand. But you do. Can you help me? Can you show me? God, I'm doing everything I know to do. Brother Hagin said that to him. He said it. He said to, to God when he was he was he was sick. He was on the bed of affliction. He he had he was mostly paralyzed and had trouble with his heart. And he had been reading and getting a hold of the fact that if he believed God, he could have whatever he believed. And he 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 said. If, if Jesus, he said, I didn't say it arrogantly, but he said, if, if God would have, if Jesus were to stay, he told this to God, if, 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 if Jesus were to stand before me and say, your son, your problem is you just don't believe. He said, I have to say you're a liar. With all due respect, you're a liar. I do believe. And the Lord told him, you do believe as far as you know. You do believe as far as you know. And he realized he didn't, he didn't understand some things. And he got the answer, though. We don't see everything. And if we'll be humble about it and go to God... See, judging Him is not the answer. If we judge Him and say, well, you're not doing something, we're wrong. We're wrong. He's not wrong. He's perfect. I know that can be hard to... See, some people would rather just stay over here and just, well, I don't care, I'm going to be mad at him because he's not doing it. That's, that's futile. We'll be there. That, we can go and bump our head up against that wall all day, next week, into next month, and next year, and it will never bear results because it's, it's the wrong concept. God is not wrong. It's not on his end. Why would we be going and saying, God, why don't you, why don't you? That's like us with 18 two-by-fours sticking out of our eyes, going, God, who doesn't even have a speck in his eye, let me fix you. He's not the one that has the problem. We, telling the perfect one, you're wrong. And if we could see ourselves, we don't, we don't even see all the stuff that we have that you know, we need to work on. We talked about it. Thank God he doesn't just uh, tell us all at once. This is not to condemn us. This is to snap us out of something because it's very prevalent in the world. People think God didn't do it. And I don't believe in that Christianity stuff because X, Y, and Z, and this happened, and I don't see it. People say, I prove that there's a God. Or God is under no obligation to prove anything to you. He's already proven. If he put it any more plainly, it would be obvious. And God walks by faith, or, or demands faith. The Bible says his Godhead, the, the Trinity, is clearly known just by looking at creation. No, the thing is, we need to say, God, I believe you, and I, I, I'm going after you with everything I know, and you will get more knowledge. We will understand more. If we could see as God sees, and He knows, we would find He is infinitely logic, logical and fair. The problem is, we don't see the way He sees. He's given us His Word. He's given us the truth of His, of His Word, and by His Spirit, He'll lead us. But we'll see something go, this doesn't look fair. Why did this happen? I don't, I don't understand. And from our perspective, there's so many gaps that we can't see. We're, we're thinking, I don't understand how this can possibly be right. But if you were to see the way God sees, you would see it's perfectly right. It's absolutely fair. In fact, he's been more merciful than you and I would have ever been. You would have tossed in the towel a long time ago, even with yourself or with other people. If you would see the way you would see, oh my gosh, he has been so good. He's been doing everything within his power to be just and fair. Anything he can use for you, he has been. He's so good and so fair 
and so right. He, his, his heart is for you to be doing awesome in life, to, to prosper in every area, and he is doing everything that he can and be just and fair. He can't, he can't bend, like we talked about, he's not partial. He can't bend the rules for you. Because the accuser could come and say, you're unjust. You can't do that. How can you treat them one way and another? You're unjust. He could, he'd be right. God can't do that. James 1, verse 12. Let's go ahead and look there. <clears throat> James 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and nor does he, tempt him, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire was, has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives, uh, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. There is an enemy that tries to deceive us. Circumstance tries, will look a certain way. But James is very firm here. He says, don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Everything good comes from Him. In other words, He's a good God. In other words, He's always good. Every good, if it's good, it came from Him. We ought to give Him glory and thanks and say, Lord, thank you for that. Thank, well, it was just my own uh, ability that I got. No, don't let that get in. You say, no, any ability I have, it's from you. Lord, it's God-given. I'm not keeping my heart beating. You are. Lord, I didn't cause my brain to function a certain way. I didn't uh, put the gifts and talents in me. They're for your glory. And I acknowledge anything good I've had, Lord, it's because of you. If we'll keep that attitude, then we keep ourselves out of pride and keep ourselves from going into this mode where we're somehow finding fault with him. He said every good gift, every Perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He doesn't change. He doesn't do, one, do something one time and then do something else a different time as far as he may accomplish things different ways, but he doesn't use different measures. He doesn't treat you differently. He doesn't, well, he used to do that, but now he doesn't. He's a different God. You know, it's not him. He doesn't change. He's a rock. Anything he said he'd do, he, he always does it. He's faithful. I said he's faithful. He's the same. Every word that has ever come out of his mouth is good. He does it. Well, I don't see why it hasn't happened in my life. Don't question him. Go humbly before him and say, Lord, I don't understand. You show me, and I, Lord, show me. I'm not seeing it. Obviously, there's something I'm missing. Lillian B. Yeomans, who's a medical doctor and, and got a hold of divine healing and, and helped many people, she said, whenever something doesn't look like it's working, I start, look, I start adjusting. Lord, what do I need to change? Show me. Help me. She didn't go to God and say, God, I'm doing everything. What are you doing? You sleeping? We may not say that word, but that's how we sometimes get. Well, I know I'm doing it. I'm saying it. What's up with you? Where, where are you? Wrong attitude. That's, that's judging him. Just put this up. Proverbs 19, verse 3 says, The foolishness of man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. The foolishness of man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. 
What does that mean? Something we're doing, I'm not saying everything is always our fault, whatever, but something we're not doing it quite right, and we go and say it's God's problem. This is Proverbs 19, verse 3. Luke 23, 32. Luke 23, 32. I'll go ahead and read it to you. It says, There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death, and when they had come to, him, come to the place called Calvary, they were crucified. There they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the left. And then, they, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You just stop there. Jesus is saying, look, they don't, even, they don't even understand. Did they know the ramifications of what was going on? I'm not saying they're guiltless, but did they understand who he was and what was going on behind this? No, they didn't know. They're, they're ignorant. They don't even know what they're doing. Verse 34, or uh, next part of 34, And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered. They sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. What are they doing? They're looking at the situation with their limited knowledge and going, Who is this guy? Why don't you save yourself, big shot? Get down off that tree. You saved other people. What? You're nothing. They don't even know what they're talking about. But what are they doing? They're judging Jesus. Then you see it today. You don't have to look very far. People going, big man in the sky, there's no God, you fools. You're believing a fairy tale. Have no clue what they're talking about. It's not new. The Bible says the fool says in his heart there is no God. Fool. Doesn't mean you've got to get in their face and correct them, but just any time you hear that, go, I mean, does this look smart to you in retrospect? These guys standing there watching the, the Christ, the Son of the living God, he's dying for them, and they're going, why don't you save yourself if you're the Christ, the chosen of God? How arrogant is that? Well, if we have a thought like, God, why aren't you doing this? We don't know completely. We don't see clearly. Verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. They don't know. They don't see. But what are they doing? They're making a judgment. As far as they see, this is just some guy that got a, bun a bunch of followers, and they think that he's a nobody. And they're mocking the king, of the king of the universe. Look at how small their vision is compared to what can be known. Do they know? He is, he is the Son of Almighty God. Do, they, do these people at this time even know a fraction of the knowledge that's on the earth now? Do they know about electricity? Do they know about you know, all the, the mechanical engineering feats that we've done and, and all the quantum physics? and all? Do they know any of that? I don't think so. They know like this much, and they're making a judgment on the God of the universe based on their limited knowledge and saying, yeah, if you're the king, why don't you save yourself? Any thought that comes remotely like, God, you should have done something, we just ought to eradicate it and say, wait a minute, I'm not going down that path. I'm not going down there. I'm not even touching that. God's faithful. We need to combat it. Go, we need to understand where it came from. Satan is trying to get us to doubt God, trying to separate us. We need to go and say, that is a lie. Satan, shut up. God's faithful. Well, yeah, what about such and such? Where was he? Why did this happen? Why isn't this happening? What's going on? We need to just 
slam that down, take that thought, and slam it to the ground and say, my God's faithful, and he will do everything he said he will do. And if he said it, it's going to come to pass. I will reverence and glorify him. Well, you don't see it. I don't have to see it. His word's good. His word's good. I believe him. I'm not going to get on the side because if I start pointing my finger at him, where's my help now? I'm pointing my finger at my help saying, you're not coming through. Where does that put me? That's not in a good place. What I need to go is, God, I don't understand everything. And he says, I know it. <laughs> I know you don't. Brother Hagin said once, you know, I... I I've never seen anything. I don't, I've, I've read the, the New Testament. He was talking about something. He goes, I, I've read the, the um, New Testament so many times. He goes, I've never seen anything in there like that. And he said, son, there's a lot of things in there you don't know. To Brother Hagin. You, you know, God knows where we're, what we see. He knows what we... If you were to tell him, well, I just don't understand. He knows that. It'd be like you looking down at a little three-year-old. They go, I don't understand. You're like, I know, baby. I know. You're three. You're not expected to know this. We need to go to him and, and, and uh, be on his side. Stay on his side. Hebrews 11, verse 11. <clears throat> Sarah. You know about Sarah. Sarah was, couldn't have children. Sarah and uh, Abram, Sarai or whatever, or I didn't pronounce her name originally, and Abram, they couldn't have children when they were young. And now they're old, and God uh, reveals to Abram that he's going to be the father of many nations, changed his name, said, you're going to be called Abraham, you're, you're going to be the father of many nations, and they had to believe him. They had to accept that as truth, even though they didn't see it over a period of time. But verse 11 says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to con conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. She judged him faithful. If you're going to look at God, you don't judge Him unfaithful. You don't say, you didn't do something. You say, I may not see it, but you're going to come through. That's the way to look at Him. That's the way to approach the Lord. And so she had the promise. Romans 8, verse 28 says, We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. doesn't mean God did everything. It doesn't mean He's orchestrating everything. It means that in spite of the fact that we're in a fallen world, in spite of the fact that people are against you, in spite of the fact that we deal with the curse, if we'll walk with Him, He'll cause the junk and everything, the good, bad, and the ugly in our life, He'll take something out of it and make it good and help us walk in His purpose. Help us, the people that are called according to His purpose, that's you and me, we can walk, and even though it looks like there's no way this could come out good, He can make it work. And if we'll stay with that, if we'll look back you know, on our past, and it may not look like everything... You may not, you may have questions, okay? There may be things you don't have answered. You may wonder, why did this happen? That's a dangerous question. It's not, don't say you never can ask it, but if you're going to ask God why, 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 there are some things you may not have a definitive answer to. And if you let that be a, a wedge between you and Him, then that can be a problem. Just because you don't know why, you don't know how, you don't know exactly how it came down, stay on God's side. No, you don't, I don't, we don't see perfectly. Give Him the benefit of the doubt. You don't know everything, I don't know everything. 
We, one thing's assured. If you listen to the devil, he's going to paint a bleak picture of the reality, and you know he's a liar. Will this happen when you were 14, and where was God? If you listen to that voice, he's going to paint a picture of God being unfaithful, and that he didn't do what he said. And you're going to listen to a pack of lies. He knows you see this big, he can see the stuff around it, and he's going to paint a false picture. He's going to say, God didn't do this, and God didn't do this. He's a liar. Since you don't know what happened out here, you can see this big. Here's the reality of the situation. Just trust God that he did what he was supposed to do, and he's faithful to you to now. And when you see clearly in heaven, when it's all see, you see clearly, you're going to say, oh, I know why now. I see. But God, you were just. You were faithful. Oh, you were so good. I couldn't. I would have. I would have dropped out a long time ago, but you were merciful way past where I would have ever expected you to be. Stay on his side. Believe that he loves you and that he's for you. He's good. Keep reading in Romans 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew... So we'll read verse 28 again. And, he, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, that He might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, that's us, these He also called, whom He called, He also justified, and whom He justified, He also glorified. Verse 31 what then shall we say to these thing, things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, now we're looking. We need to get the attitude and the mindset that I don't care what happened, what is happening, what it looks like, God is for me. And everything that's going on, He's going to turn it. If I'll allow Him to and stay on His side, it's going to be turned for my good and His glory. And be hard about it. And take any thought that would say, well, where is God? What's he doing? He's, he's withholding you. You take it and you slam it to the, to the ground. And you say, no, that's a deception. That's a lie. God is good. I, am, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I trust him. Lord, I trust you. Lord, help me to see what I need to see. Help me. Get the attitude. He's for me. Everybody say, God's for me. God's for me. God's for me. God is for me. Who can be against me? In other words, does it matter who's against you if God's for you? But look at the situation. Look at the problems. What, what? That's all fear. You just take that and put it, just slam it down and say, no, God's for me. End of story. We're going over. We're going through. Yeah, but no, I'm not getting in that business. I'm not going to judge him. He, he's always been faithful to me. He'll be faithful to me in the future. God, I just reverence you and glorify you. I thank you for helping me and showing me. Verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? If he gave us Jesus, he is not withholding on us now, ever. If he gave the most precious person, you could say thing, but the most precious commodity, Jesus' blood, it, there is nothing more precious, and he gave that to you. What is he going to withhold from you? But you'll hear thoughts, well, he's withholding, he's not quite, no, no, see, that's a lie. He already gave the most precious. If, if somebody will give you $1,000, they'll certainly give you, give you a buck, a dollar, $10. You know, I just don't know if they're willing. Oh, yeah, they just dropped $1,000 on you, and they said, whatever you need, help me, or a million. What? And you're saying, well, I just don't know. We got to see it. We just got to get that out of our head. It's lies. It's, it's wrong thinking. Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? From the love of Christ shall tribulation, shall, shall distress, shall persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. You can name any number of things. Should sickness or financial challenges or a business challenge or whatever. You say, no, it's not going to separate me from the love of God. He's good. Verse 37 says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am persuaded that neither life 
or death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from His love. He's good all the time. He's for us all the time. And He will never let us down. There is never a time when we would say, well, Lord, you missed it. You didn't do this. Never. Regardless of our situation, regardless of what happened or didn't happen, we need to know God is with us and has a way through. Always. Stay there. Stay in that place. That is the place of victory. Stay in that mindset. God's with me. He'll show me how to get through it. Yeah, but, no buts. He's with me and he'll show me how to get through it. That's the place of victory. Always, he always works together. All these things work together for our good. He always leads us in victory. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Always. That's his heart. That's always been his heart. He doesn't change. 20 years ago, whatever happened to you, his heart was, you're going to be in victory. And if you'll just walk with him, he'll take that junk, he'll take what happened to you, and he'll take it to turn it into something good that you'll beat the devil's brains out with. The game's not over. It's not over unless we drop and we start saying, well, God, I just don't know, and we start backing away from him. That's where Satan wants you. Start backing away from your help. But if we'll say, no, not over. God's on my side. We're working through this thing. He'll show me, well, yeah, what about? I don't care what about. I don't know everything. I know I don't know everything. One thing I do know is God is faithful, and he's on my side, and he loves me. And the more we become secure in God's love that He has our back, that He's faithful, that He always treats us fairly, that He is doing all He can to help us, when we judge Him faithful, then we will see His will unfold in our lives, and we become less judgmental of others, and we're free to let them be them, less judgmental of ourselves, because we're secure in Him. We're secure. He's for us. He won't drop us. And now we can breathe a sigh of relief. What about that? He's got it. He, he'll, I'm just going to stay with him. What about this coming up? It's going to be okay. What about that? What about that? what that person did to you? Not my problem. I'm not judging him. God's got my back, and he'll take him and everybody else, and we're going over. If God's for me, doesn't matter who's against me. Yeah, but they, they threaten they're going to do this and this. So God's on my back. End of story. He's, he's, uh, he's got my back. I'm secure in him. I'm not pointing a finger at him. You see how that's a trap? Trying to push you away from the very one that has your help. Try to get you to doubt the one that, got, that has your future in his hands. God is good. Amen? Amen? Praise you, Lord. Let's go ahead and stand to your feet, please.